Welcome to Practical Christian Living. The church today is not made up of the invited guests. The invited guests were the Jewish people. We were in God's plan. It just would have been different. But the invited guests were the children of Israel. You and I, we're anybody. Go out and ask anybody, anybody that wants to come. We're like, okay, I, I want to come. Have you ever stopped to consider just how incredible it is that we can become children of God? Think about it. If Jesus is truly your Savior, you can call the same God who created the universe your Father. We have a lot to cover today on Practical Christian Living, so we're going to dive right into our teaching in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, with more on how Jesus, who came to the Jews, accepts Gentiles as his very own. Here's Robert Furrow. Today we're going to talk about how to not stop praying or don't stop praying. We're going to look at the importance of persistence in prayer, to keep praying even when you don't get an answer, to know that God's timing may be different and it's important for us to continue to pray, to be persistent not only in prayer but in faith, to continue to trust God and to ask Him so we can receive whatever it is that God has for us. In the passage that we're covering today, a woman who is a Gentile approaches Jesus and he first ignores her and then he calls her a dog and then he answers her prayers. So we're going to look at this and we're going to break it down and see what's happening in this text. And there's some very powerful things that are happening. And I do want to say that with this passage as well, there are those that criticize Jesus. They look at this passage through the lens of the culture we're living in today and they criticize him. But I think that the criticism is entirely unfair. And I think after you look at this passage, you'll see it's entirely unfair as well. So we'll start in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 15 where it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were a Gentile region. This is the only time, as far as we know, in the ministry of Jesus that he was not in Israel. He moved out to an area that had Gentiles in it predominantly. The area of Tyre and Sidon, Josephus, the Jewish historian who worked for the Romans, said that the people of the region of Tyre and Sidon hated the Jewish people. We know that the Jewish people, especially the religious elite in Israel, hated Gentiles. There's three times in the New Testament that they call Gentiles dogs. So we know that they hate them. But we also know from Josephus that those in Tyre and Sidon hated the Jewish people as well. So it was a two-way street that took place. And Jesus, for whatever reason, and we're not told why, travels to this Gentile area. And it says, and behold, and it's like saying something shocking is about to happen. This is not normal. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him. We're told in Mark that she was a Syrophoenician. Here we're told that she is from Canaan. The Canaanites were the ones who were in the land before Israel was in the land. And she was from that region, and she cried out to him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Let's consider what she says. She's asking for something. Have mercy on me, 
O Lord, she calls him Lord, son of David. So here this woman has enough information about Israel that she knows that there's a Messiah coming who is called the son of David because the reference son of David is a messianic reference. It was said that he will sit on your throne to David. And so the son of David is the Messiah. And so this woman makes a confession that Jesus is the son of David. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. I wish we knew more of her background. I wish we knew when she first heard of Jesus, when she learned that he was in the region. But we're told something pretty amazing. This is a pretty amazing moment when this non-Jewish woman will approach Jesus. It's not like the woman at the well, the Samaritan, who Jesus approached. She approaches him and says, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. And that's the way it's worded. It is severely. She's in a really bad way. And we can understand why this woman is driven to go and talk to a Jew who was doing miracles who is called the Jewish Messiah that has spread all the way to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Because when our children are going through something, we would gladly take their place, especially when they're small. I remember my kids being so sick and thinking, I just wish I could be sick for them because they're so small. They don't understand what's going on. They're so miserable. And this woman was willing to do anything, even as a Gentile going and pleading with the son of David. But he answered her not a word. He ignores her. Now, this would generally be a rude thing to do. Someone comes up and, and wants to talk with you and you just ignore them would be a rude thing to do. But if there's a purpose in the ignoring, then there's something that he's trying to do. There's something that he's trying to show us. We learn from these accounts certain things. And he is ignoring her for a very specific reason. And we'll get to what that reason is here in just a few minutes. But it is harsh, right? This woman has a great need. She calls him Lord, son of David. And Jesus just acts like she's not even there. Now, these disciples, these great disciples of compassion say to Jesus and his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries after us. She's bugging us, Jesus. Send her away. I'll take it that she was making quite a ruckus. She just didn't stop. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Just continuing and continuing until the disciples are like, please, Jesus, do something. Jesus is whatever he's doing. He's eating his meal. She's screaming. He's eating his meal. But he answered them. Now, he didn't talk to the woman, but he talks to his disciples. And he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This isn't a matter of, of what has been revealed through the Old Testament and what we know in the New Testament, that Jesus came to the Jewish people first and then he went to the Gentiles. That the plan was always for Israel to bless the Gentiles. The question is what that was going to look like when it took place. Because if Jesus came to the Jews and presented himself as their Messiah, was received as their Messiah, then the church would look a lot different today. I would take it that the church would look a lot more Jewish today if that were what happened. But the Jews rejected Jesus. And so Jesus told the parable of people being invited to a dinner and the invited guest said, I don't want to go. And so he said, go to the highways and byways and invite anyone who will come. So the church today is not made up of the invited guests. 
The invited guests were the Jewish people. We were in God's plan. It just would have been different. But the invited guests were the children of Israel. You and I? We're anybody. Go out and ask anybody. Anybody that wants to come. We're like, okay, I, I want to come. And so the church was built differently. But it was the Jews first and then the Gentiles. And Jesus is saying that this is during the time that he is ministering to the Jews. And so he tells them now part of why he is ignoring her. There's a bigger plan in this ignoring her. In Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6, Jesus sends out the 70 disciples. Do you remember that? And he says to them, only go to the cities of the house of Israel. Don't go to the Samaritans because the shepherd has been sent to the house of Israel. So that's the idea of what he's saying. I have not come to Gentiles right now. I was not sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He, he made several references in his ministry to being a shepherd. He looked at the crowds when he fed the 5,000, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he was the great shepherd coming to shepherd Israel except that they would not. Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you under my arms like a hen would gather her chicks, but you would not. He wanted to. They didn't want to. So then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now she goes a step further, which is amazing. This Canaanite woman, first of all, calls him Lord and son of David. Then she comes and falls down on the ground and worships him. And in the Bible, Jesus is the only person that we find who is worshiped that there is not a rebuke from. And he's worshiped many times, by the way, not just by this woman, but Thomas, when Thomas realizes who Jesus is, falls down in front of him and says, my Lord and my God. He calls Jesus his God when he recognizes the resurrection of Christ. And she fell down, worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Just this plea. She's been saying this over and over again. But he answered and said to her, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And when we hear that, we hear the other places in the New Testament where the Jewish leaders call Gentiles dogs. We hear that. And I'm not going to say that Jesus wasn't even making a connection with that. This is their culture. They know what the Jewish religious call them. And so when Jesus makes a reference to a dog, there's a difference here. And he knows. And I'm not saying that he doesn't know. He does use a different word, though. The word that they use in the other three places is a word for a wild dog, like a dog that would roam in a pack. This word is the word for a little dog or a pet dog, or we could say a puppy. That's what the word is. And you can look the words up and you can see that Jesus, he softened it some. He wanted to make a distinction between the Gentiles and the Jews. And he used this word. He's already ignored her. So we know that Jesus is being a little harsh with her here. But he softened it enough to be able to use this term, the little puppies. Maybe had he said dog using the, the word that was for a wild dog, maybe the woman would have said, that's it, I'm out. God knows where we are. God knows how to interact with us. And then she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs, and there you get the idea, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fell from their master's table. Now, the analogy that Jesus is using is that the children are the children of Israel. 
And there is a table that is set for them now. And the Gentiles are on their way. The little dogs are on their way. And they are going to be in the kingdom of God. But right now, it's time for the children of Israel. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Do you know that there's only two times that Jesus said anybody had great faith and they were both Gentiles? None of his disciples did he ever say to them, great is your faith. In fact, several times he said, oh, you of little faith, where's your faith? And then they say, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus goes, have I been with you so long and you do not understand? If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. So when Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, he was saying to them, use the faith you have. You only need a little bit of faith, but use the faith you have. This woman and the centurion that Jesus said, you have great faith. They had great faith. They didn't have a mustard seed of faith. They trusted God. What does great faith look like? Great faith approaches Jesus. Great faith approaches Jesus humbly. She fell down before him and she worshiped him and he re will respond to her. Great faith is persistent. She continued to believe that this man who did miracles and cast out demons could rescue her daughter. Everything laid on the line for her. She was willing to give it all up. She would have been willing to die for her daughter and she's willing to go and fall down before a Jewish man who people are calling the son of David. And that's what great faith is. Great faith is when we humble ourselves before him. Great faith is when we ask him. Great faith is when we're willing to persist and keep going and keep going and keep going. Let's consider a little bit more about what this passage teaches us. In Hebrews 6.12, it says, we receive the promises of God through faith and patience. By the way, if we continue reading this, O woman of great faith, verse 28, let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. I left out the most important part, right? I had to come back to get the amazing account that Jesus from a distance sent this vexed demon out of this girl. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 6, 12 that we receive the promises of God through faith and patience. All the promises of Scripture, and there are so many of them that are so good, you and I receive through faith and patience. Just like this woman believed that if she went to him, she would receive from him. And she was asking for something that she wasn't even being promised. That was Jesus's point. I have not come except to the children of Israel. And so she's asking for something that isn't even promised. But she has faith to believe and she's persistent and she keeps asking. There are incredible promises in the Bible. I want to give you just a couple of them. One of them is 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. It's a promise that God is going to give you everything you need to be able to do the good work that God's called you to do. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give you all things? Not only will he give you all things, but he will freely give you all things. Now, you might not obtain all of those things right now, but you will be given all things. Then Luke 11, 9 through 10. So I say to you, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. 
Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And he who knocks, it will be opened. The promise that if we seek him like this woman did, she sought, she knocked, she asked, and Jesus responded. And we are given that. And in the Greek, that is in the continual, meaning continually ask and you will receive. Continually knock and the door will be opened. Continue to seek and you will find. It's like when you're searching for something in your house and you keep looking and keep looking. What I'm looking for is somewhere in this house and I just got to keep looking for it. That's the idea of persistence. We just say, God, I'm going to persist. I'm going to keep asking you. I'm going to keep seeking you to be able to receive what you have for me. That's faith and patience. God says that we have to believe it in order to be able to receive it. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, have faith as a mustard seed and you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will be moved and nothing will be impossible for you. Well, that's pretty incredible. A promise that even with a little bit of faith, there would be nothing that would be impossible for us. But we have to find our way to be persistent. There's two parables that I want to quickly tell you. Jesus told the parable, and I call it the parable of the annoyed neighbor. So a man has a friend, and he has a visitor that comes to him at midnight. He doesn't have any bread. So he says, I'm going to go to my friend's house. I'm going to get some bread. He goes to his friend's house and knocks on the door, and his friend says, go away. Me and the kids are in bed. Leave us alone. But he keeps knocking. And finally, the friend gets up and gives him bread. Not because he wanted to, but because he was so persistent that he finally gave it to him. Now, what is this telling us? That in persisting, God is like, he doesn't want to give it to us and we keep asking. He doesn't want to give it to us. We keep asking. Finally, it's like, fine, okay, I'll give you it to you. Not at all. It's not a parable of comparison. It's a parable of contrast. In other words, if an annoyed neighbor, if an annoyed friend will get up and finally give it to you because you kept asking, how much more will your heavenly Father who wants to give to you give to you when you continue to ask? That's the idea. The other parable is the same. It's the parable of the unjust judge. It's a judge who was ruled unfairly against a woman. And he ruled unfairly, it says, Jesus said in the parable, because he doesn't regard God and he doesn't regard man. He's not afraid of God. He's not afraid of man. So he rules however he wants to. But the woman shows up outside of his office every day. And says, rule for me, rule properly for me. And she keeps doing it. And finally, because he doesn't want to see her anymore, he rules in her favor. Now, again, is this saying that God is unjust and will rule in our favor if we just keep asking? It's a parable of contrast, not comparison. God's not an unjust judge. If an unjust judge will finally rule for a woman just because she's persistent, how much more will God do for you if you continue to persist? And I am afraid that we have not been like this woman, that we have not continued to ask Jesus and ask Jesus. I'm afraid that we have given up in our faith, believe that God wants something else. And when we think of why, why does Jesus want us to continue? Why does he want us to persist? Maybe it's a test of our faith. Perhaps that's it. Maybe ignoring the woman and calling her a little dog was a test of her faith. How much do you want this? Do you really want your daughter to be taken care of? And maybe God says, I want you to be persistent 
and to continue to ask me because I want your faith tested. It does say through faith and patience we receive the promises. So it doesn't say immediately. Two, God has better timing than we do. And when we ask God for something, God has his perfect timing and it may be not yet, not no. He may be saying to you, not yet, not yet, hold on, hold on. And then we finally get it. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap your reward if you don't grow faint. The reward comes when you are diligent. If you grow faint, you might be at the doorstep of receiving what you want and not receiving it at all. Some of you guys, prayer comes easily too. Some of you guys have a, almost like a gift of prayer. But for others, it doesn't come so easily. Prayer on my part, if I've got time, if I've got some time and, and I'm just going to go do something spiritual, I'm usually going to go study the Bible. That's what I do. That's what I love. I got all kinds of things I want to dive into. I got all kinds of things I'm writing and trying, to, and trying to get figured out. For me to sit down and pray is, is harder for me. To be persistent in prayer is difficult for me. Going to church, coming here. I mean, I love to come here, obviously. I'm not like the pastor. Well, I, I just gave away the joke. I'm not even going to tell it now. It's a guy who doesn't want to go to church and his wife finally says to him, you have to, you're the pastor. He makes all kinds of excuses and finally you got to, I'm not, I'm not like that guy. But you guys love being here too. I mean, you're here on Wednesday night. Coming to church is easy, but I wonder how easy is prayer for you? And if God might not just convict us gently that we would come to him and just begin to pray persistently, maybe do it methodically, write out a list. We're writing a prayer app, which I'm really excited about. We'll have a prayer app someday but we're looking for it ourselves. And there are prayer apps that are out there, but you usually have to pay for them. And I don't like that fact that we have to pay for them. But I want us to have a prayer app where we can put up things for the church to pray about. You guys can post things on the prayer app to be able to pray about. And we can go and you can make your own list of things to pray about. And you can pull out that prayer app and you could be methodical and you can go down the list. But right now, you could use a, a, a pen and a pad of paper. Right now, you could use, use notes on your Apple iPhone or whatever is the equivalent to that with the Android, which I don't even know. But we've got everything that we need to be able to get organized and to say, I'm going to pray for this. My suggestion is that you have something you feel strongly about right now. I do. That you have something like this woman had. Her daughter's life was at risk. And I bet there's something that means as much to you that if you would say, Lord, forgive me, that I haven't been like this woman who by faith and patience received from you. And I don't know how much patience it was to scream at him for a while, but you get the idea that we would say, Lord, help me, that I, that I don't stop praying for those people that mean so much to me, for the situation that means so much to me, that I would give anything to change it, that if I could, I would give anything to change it. And then somehow, Maybe because we don't have enough faith. Maybe because we just aren't persistent. We drop off from really calling out to God for what we need. And I love that at the end of this story, Jesus says, you will have what you desire. We've been talking about the different ways Jesus heals. He heals by go and do this, go and do that. Now he just says, you got it. You had great faith, you got it. And she gets home and her daughter as well. What an amazing thing. May we hang on to our prayers like a little puppy with a pork chop. 
not just the crumbs from a table, but with a pork chop where we just don't let that thing go and we have a testimony that God met us and God rescued. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on KGUN 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.